0: You're going to see up on the screen. We have a, a title for for today's sermon, and it's found in Mark 7:37, right in the middle of Jesus's ministry. Uh, he was healing people, and he was casting out demons, and just busy with his with his work, and um, Uh, the people um, in that crowd um, were astonished. And 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 this one little part of the verse leapt out and touched my heart like 30 years ago. I never forgot it. I was was listening to a sermon by my pastor. And I have thought about that verse uh, so much. You know, when you read the Bible... When you hear a sermon, and so many different places where you can hear a sermon now on a podcast or on YouTube or, you know, on the radio or wherever, there's so many different places, in church, hopefully, right? Uh, there's always those special verses that grab your attention, and, and they stay with you. It could be uh, because maybe you're in a certain place in your life and it was what you needed to hear, uh, and you may not even know why, it just does. Uh, does anybody have a... Favorite verse that, or verses that you like cling to? Yeah, well, this is one of them for me. It, it just it just resonated with me, and and uh, it, it's, it connected with something deep inside me, and has been part of my uh, my journey. Uh, sometimes these verses provide us with um, insight. Sometimes they provide us with uh, encouragement. Sometimes they provide us with uh, believe it or not, with a warning. If we're somewhere in our life, and there are decisions that we need to make, or temptations that we're facing. Uh, And obviously, these kinds of verses provide us with hope. Amen? Hope. So, it's just one tiny little sentence, um, so different from my normal sermons, where I'm going to, like, dig through, who knows, 25 verses and try to explain everything. Uh, This one is just short. It's just a tiny little sentence in the middle of a story. Uh, But it's the key to understanding the story in that particular instance. And it's the key to understanding the gospel. And it's what you see up there on the screen. He, referring to Jesus, has done all things well. That's what was said In Mark seven, after Jesus heals the daughter of this uh, Syro-Phoenician woman, she had uh, the daughter uh, was possessed of a demon, and and then after he heals a deaf man by touching him, we see the compassion of Jesus in his ministry, his love for people, and how he uh, meets their their needs. In this case, both of these people with with a, without a touch from Him, they would have stayed the same. But with a touch from Him, they're forever transformed and they're forever different. And so, many other miracles were performed. But it happens to be, and if we go to the next slide, that in this particular one, it simply says uh, to the people around Jesus, people that were witnessing His, his works, His acts of mercy and compassion... Uh, those that witness His power, you know, it's one thing that Jesus shows up and mingles with us. It's one thing that He reaches out to us, touches us, deals with us in so many different ways, and, and that's good. But even better is the fact that He has a power to make a change in our lives. That's the best part. It just doesn't, you know, there may be people who I may go to and ask for advice or counsel or just need a hug, and that's all good, but they really can't transform my life. They help along the journey, but the one who can appeared in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And look what it says. It says, and they, so these are the people that were witnessing Jesus' ministry, and they were astonished beyond measure. They were like, Wow. You know, today, you know, maybe someone might say, This is crazy. Do you hear about what he just did? Or did you just see what he just did? Right? Is he's and notice that his ministry is always about touching people. It's always about people. Never about things or circumstances, it's all about people. And it says there, He has done all things well. And then uh, it goes on to describe like He even makes the deaf hear and and the mute speak. So let's do this. Let's pray for our sermon real quick. Let's pray for our Just a second. Father, we thank you again for your word and for how your word can penetrate deep into our hearts, into our souls, and how they can stay in our mind and remembrance in our memory really forever and and how they, they touch us in such a special way. And give us hope and give us instruction and give us, if necessary, a warning and, and 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 also, Lord, encouragement. We just pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us today and give us um, a greater understanding of the meaning of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we thank you in his precious name. Amen. So uh, there's a movie that came out, and obviously if I say the first part of the statement, everyone, I think... If you've seen the movie, uh, we'll know what to finish. Uh, God is good. God is good all the time. That's a movie, right? Well, way before the movie, that was said already. And even before Jesus appeared. He has done all things well. This is a summary, if you would, of the miracles that Jesus was performing at that time, but it's also perfectly describes his life and ministry as as the Son of God. Okay, so this is what they witnessed right then and there, where he was healing and 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 casting out uh, demons from a, a from a, a woman's daughter, and and that summarizes his miracles. But it also is a summary of his life and ministry. If there's one thing we could say, if there's one thing uh, only, we can say that he has done all things well. Right? And I learned this at the very start of my Christian journey. I learned that as I went through the Bible, I went through the scriptures, especially the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I learned that Jesus has done all things well. So uh, it, it, it has become an uh, integral part of my core belief of, of personal, my, my personal life as a Christian. And uh, as a pastor, what I would want to happen today is that this statement uh, be the core belief of your life. That he has done All things well. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I I repeated this verse and how it kept me going. And uh, regardless of my circumstances, how it kept me grounded in my faith. When I didn't understand or what I didn't know or when I was wondering what was going on or where God was leading me, I would always go back to the fact that, well, I don't know. I don't understand, but I know one thing. He's done all things well. And we know from Philippians 1.6 that he that has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Did he begin a good work in you? Well, he's going to complete it. He's going to bring you to the finish line. And he's going to do it well. I don't understand sometimes what's happening. You see, the people in that particular situation were praising Jesus. Not only for the fact that he was he had healed the deaf person and um, cast out that demon, but not only did he do those things, he did it well. If he were to receive a report card, he would have got an A plus. So this reminds me of other passages in the scripture that refer to the goodness of God. In this particular phrase that he has done all things well, I hear the ring of the sound of Genesis chapter 1 because after each day of creation it is written in Genesis chapter 1 of God's act of creation and God saw that it was good. And it's repeated. Check this out. Genesis 1.9 1.12, 1.18 1.21 And 122. But on the sixth day when he created man, he changed it a little bit. He said, and behold, it was very good. The crown of his creation is man who he created in his own image. And we know the rest of the story. We don't want to go into today. the story's going so well. But sin did enter into into uh, this world through disobedience and lack of trust. That's a whole other story. Uh, But the original act of creation, all that he made was good because it says over and over, and God saw that it was good. Only good comes from God's hand. It's impossible for him not to do good. In other words, it's impossible for, for him to do evil. That's a good thing to have in our minds, no? We know that uh, when Jesus arrives at this particular scene, he's not only ministering to the Jews, he's also ministering to Gentiles, to people that don't even belong to the commonwealth of Israel, to God's chosen people. This is a Syrophoenician woman. And Jesus, when she pleads for her daughter, uh, Jesus reminds her, hey, I've come first to the house of Israel. And she says, yeah, I know. But even the dogs eat the crumbs under the table. She had so much faith in the goodness of Christ that she was saying, and this is what blows my mind, was that the crumbs of Jesus are even good. The leftovers, if you would, are better than not having them. That's who we serve. That's how great he is. You know, they say some people's junk is someone else's treasure. Well, the crumbs were this woman's treasure because rightfully so. Jesus had originally come first to Israel, but they rejected him. They were unbelievers. So he turns to the rest of the world. And he's this woman. So, he did... That particular thing. On that particular day. For that particular woman. With her need that she had. And who knows for how long. They had suffered. And the deaf man. How long he couldn't hear. But he could hear well now. And she could live well. The daughter. Who was in prison and chained. Because of demonic activity in her life. She was free. He gives us new life. And when he gives us new life, he gives it to us because he has done what? All things well. I'm going to repeat it a lot. I want you guys to hear it all week and maybe never forget it when it's necessary. So, so what's happening here is that Jesus comes on the scene in his ministry and he begins to make things new. He, he begins to restore things. Uh, make things good again. Right? He's present. He's, he's also in his ministry. A lot of people don't realize that one of the points of his ministry and the miracles and all that he did was to point to the fact that and an, uh, we should be anticipating that one day all of this is going to be complete. There's going to be a full restoration of all things are going to be good. When he creates the new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to be with him forever. So this is what Paul refers to in Romans 8.18. When he says. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time. Are not worth comparing with the glory. That is to be revealed to us. And here's the point. If we think things are good now. Just wait. <laughs> They're going to be so much better. You, I don't know what you're suffering. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what's happening in your life. Paul calls it sufferings of this present time. But he says they're not even worthy to be even compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. Because God wants to share his glory with us. And we're going to partake in it. So I think it's a way to keep moving. (laughs) I don't know man, this is hitting me hard today. I don't understand it. But even that is good because the trial of your faith is much more precious than gold even the difficult things that God allows into your life are good for you you, say, oh, you don't know what I'm going through pastor i don't maybe i do and if doesn't matter peter says that the trial of our faith is much more precious than that the fire of the Gold goes through because it purifies our faith, right? So, he definitely has done all things well. We could say that this could be the title of a book of his biography. If someone were to write a story about Jesus, a a, a biography of Jesus, this would be the the title. uh, uh, This would be his testimony that he has done all things well. Everything he has ever done is good. We look back already and... Genesis 1. Everything that he's currently doing is good. And everything that he will do is good. It's all good. They're going to hate me after the end of this sermon with the word good. Good. Christ is good in all things past, present, and future. The psalmist says this when referring to the Lord. And I like it because... It gives us a picture. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Like, this goodness is something that you can taste. This goodness is something you can experience. It's not just some ideal. It's just not some theory. It's just not something that I can tell you and it's simply poetic. And you can go, oh, I can say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And you can say, ah. No, it's something you can live and experience. The Lord, when you deal with the Lord, or when the Lord deals with you, it tastes good. Isn't it true? I don't know about you guys, but for me, sometimes I can taste evil. Or I can taste that something's wrong. I can sense it, you know. I can perceive it. You know, it's kind of like, uh, some people can have uh, an an initial... um, kind of a sense of, of something's not quite right. Well, when it comes to dealing with the Lord, it's the opposite. There's a sense or there's, a, there's an idea, there's a taste that... And when you deal with the Lord and when he deals with you, it, it, it tastes good. You want some more, don't you? Like Skittles. Once you start... Can't stop until the whole bag's gone. Alright? I'm stopped eating potato chips. Haven't eaten carbs in a while. Because I get that bag, oh my goodness. Don't do it with takis. Your stomach will hurt something fierce. But once you start with one, you can't finish. I mean, you, you have to finish it, right? So, the psalmist in Psalm 34, 8, for those of you that want to look at it later, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then he says, Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. You are blessed if you trust in the goodness of the Lord. Your life will be blessed if you trust In the goodness of the Lord. That's how you live. So we acknowledge. And everything we experience. Today. I I, I think individually. Obviously our relationship is first personal. One on one. But then God puts us in a body of believers. Like a church. So whether it's uh, individually. Or whether it's corporately as a church. uh, All the good that comes from us. Is from his gracious hand. It's all. Every good gift comes from above. And with God, there's no variableness or changing. He doesn't give us good and then regret it. He gives us good to bless us. So you might want to look at your current situation and you may say, man, it's hard. God is good. Because if you belong to him. He's allowed it. Because he's good. And he knows that he's trying to burn away from your life. Those things that should not be in your life. It's something about a trial. It's something about. uh, Dealing with a a, a difficult situation. Almost in this case. And and in all cases where there's good that comes out of uh, suffering. It's because it's. Your faith is being purified like gold and fire. And he wants you to know him better and draw closer to him because there's no pl- better place to be than near him. When something news bad news comes, obviously the first thing we do naturally or humanly speaking is like and forgive me uh, not that I would and use the Lord's name in vain but we would say, "Oh my God, And ask ourselves the question of why God allows it. Because if you belong to him, he allows it because first and foremost he knows that he'll never give you more than you can resist or take or bear. But with the test, he'll make a way of escape. So the children of Israel, they come out of Egypt where they suffered as slaves for 400 years. And they come out after the Passover, this great nation of God comes out and they go into the desert and they're faced with the Red Sea up against their backs are up against the Red Sea and then all of a sudden they start to murmur because on the horizon Pharaoh had changed his mind and now was charging after them and they got the Pharaoh's armies in front of them and they got the Red Sea behind them and they begin to complain and moan and groan about how it was better being a slave you say well that's not good That's not a good God. How would he bring us all the way out here? uh, You know, bread and water. That's all we got. You know. And uh, (laughs) they don't have a way of escape. Yeah, they do. The way of escape is the Lord. And what does he do? He tells Moses to put out his rod. And behold, the Red Sea opens. And the very thing that would have been their demise and destruction becomes their salvation. And then it becomes the demise and destruction for the armies that were chasing them. So yes, God is good. But He wants us to reach a place in our life where we know there isn't anything we can do for certain circumstances. You could scramble and try and figure it all out and use all your resources and time and energy and thoughts and, and walk the floors at night till you, your feet fall off. And then he's finally thinking, he's waiting when is he going or when is she going to get it? That I'm the answer. When is Bob going to get it? Oh, that's me, short for Robert. When I run out of my strength, unfortunately, that's what usually happens. (laughs) We figure out, I think we better start tapping into his. And then he shows us the way out. See, what Paul was saying when he said that God will not test us with more than what we're able with the temptation or with the test, give us a way of escape. What he's telling us is that God already has the blueprint for your escape. You just need to hang on and trust him. So yeah, God is good even when our current situation is hard. And most definitely most of us would agree that God is good when our current situation is joyful. Hopefully. Some people forget God when everything is joyful. This is why he brings the trial, so you don't forget him. When everything's going good and honkadory and life is wonderful, all of a sudden it's like God disappears from your mind. So he is God is good in that he balances our lives with and measures what he allows into our lives for our own good. So we can say in each and every scenario that God is demonstrating good to me. We can say if we look into the future, all that he will ever give me is good. Culmination of this life is salvation is To be present with the Lord. Right? I got a chance to. Most of you probably weren't here. When Jerry and Rose Taylor were here. But I buried our. One of our trustees. 98 years old Friday. And we talked about. How the Lord is good. Because we know where Jerry is. He's in heaven. He was a family that got was here when I first got here 17 years ago. And they were so loving and so supportive of me back then. I was this, this first pastorate younger not really knowing what I was doing and here they come and they just embrace me and accept me. And us because we came over here a big group from the Spanish ministry at Magnolia Avenue Baptist Church. You think he's not Praising the Lord right now, saying and crying out how good he is. Because there's no more suffering, no more tears, no more evil. He's in, he's in the presence of the Lord. And this is where we go back to Romans 8.28, where it says, And we know, that is us Christians, that for those who love God, okay, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. You know why all things work together for good? Because God is good. And because you've co- responded to his call and you're interested in his purposes. All things. I love this verse. But I also don't like it. Because it says all things the good, the bad, and the ugly. God uses for good. And what that means, in this verse I have contemplated for years and years and years trying to understand a way to explain it. And what it means is that our good God enters into our present circumstances, whatever they may be, and He turns them into good. There aren't Circumstances that we experience that aren't good. But that's not what this verse is saying. He's not saying that everything we experience is good. He's saying in spite of what we experience, God is good. And because we are part of His family, we are His children, we belong to Him, we've been purchased with a price, that He enters in. He literally intervenes into our lives. And He takes the mess that's there, or whatever the difficulty is, and He makes good out of it. But the problem is we don't wait enough or allow him to work in our lives and we run off and try to solve things and do things our way and our way is always the wrong way and God's ways are always the right ways. They're always the good way. And boy have I learned that lesson so many times. I've gotten to the point to where I don't do anything when something happens. I don't do anything anymore. Because I've learned that he'll do it. My job is to wait, and our job is to wait on the Lord. You have a sick child? Wait on the Lord, but bring him before the Lord and put him at the feet of the Lord. He's then healed today, no, but maybe tomorrow. You know, have a job? Same thing. You only can live one day at a time. Ask him for your daily bread. See, sometimes we're trying to live our lives so far ahead of, that we get there and where we're at we never get there either. We're not even in the present. Right? No one have worrying Jesus said can add one inch to their stature. So all things do work together for good. Let me just mention a couple things that I can say that are good and this is just random but things I picked out of the Bible. When he gives life he gives it more abundantly. John 10.10 When we're asked to carry a, a burden or a yoke, He makes sure that it's a light one and an easy one. Matthew 11.30 When He welcomes the weary, He gives them rest. When He sets person free, He frees them indeed. John 8.36 Because Jesus does all things well. He justifies us in Christ. He sanctifies us. Which means he separates us for himself. We're made right before the Lord. Because of our faith in Christ. He will one day glorify us. We're going to be reconciled. Eternally with him. Because you know what? Our savior does all things well. Amen. So look back over your life. And you can see the valleys. And you can see the mountaintops. But what you can see mostly I hope. Is God has brought you out of them all time and time again. Right? Lamentations 3.22 says, His mercies are new every morning. Psalm 100 verse 5 says, His loving kindness endures forever. Second Corinthians 1.20 says, His promises are yes and amen. Hebrews 13.5 says, He will never leave you nor forsake you. Romans 8.38 says nothing can separate you from the love of God. John 10.28 says no one can snatch you out of his hand. Matthew 28.20 says lo he is with you always even to the ends of the earth. Church he has done all things well and he will continue to. This is the culture that I would want in the mindset of Christ that I would want Crosspoint to carry with, uh, with her. That he's done all things well. The greatest good that he did was the one in which we could never in any way and absolutely would fail and it's to be able to have our sins forgiven without the cross of Calvary. That cross is what gives us access to God. Where Jesus went and, and took our sins and paid for them himself. He bore our punishment. He forgives us our sins and He takes them as far as away as east is from west. And then we know from the cross, He said, It is finished. He didn't say it's mostly done, He didn't say it has begun. He says, It is finished. Everything that was necessary. To secure our salvation is completed by Jesus. And that's the greatest good he's ever done for us. Because we didn't deserve it. He's a good God dying for bad people. Sinners. And he offers us this freely. Wow. I think he's good. Is that the point you think you're getting today? I would say, as the psalmist said blessed is he that puts his trust in him. Put your trust in him. Whisper along the way of each and every one of your days. Learn to quote scripture, especially the ones like this that have hope. And you might be going through something difficult. Right, Yolanda? You never know. An interim comes in and you read the behavior report and you say, oh wow, I'm going to be in charge of this. one. This means hours. Not just writing reports, but having to deal with a student, right? Because we do the same thing. Just say, you know, God, you're good. You brought this child into my life because I probably have something to offer them that no one else would or even cares. So thank you for the good opportunity here. We've got to look at it through the lens of goodness of Christ. Whatever you're going through, you say, man, I mean, excuse me, and I'll kind of get a little bit more contemporary on you. Some of you might say, man, this sucks. No, don't say that anymore. Say, God, you're good. That's what you say. And I'm looking forward to how good you're going to make this. They were astonished and beyond measure They were like, wow. When they saw and witnessed the work of Jesus, they were amazed. Don't you want amazing in your life? Don't you want wonderful in your life? Don't you want a life of astonishment? Well, then cling to the one who is good That's what happened here they just witnessed and they said he has done all things well the church that believes that is the church that's going to be able to also do good because we'll follow the example of the one who loves us amen let's bow our heads before we take the Lord's Supper Heavenly Father thank you thank you for all that you've done for us and we know that it's all good I mean it in both ways. It's a simple message, but it's powerful in that it reveals that your character is one of goodness and can never be anything else. And it's definitely worth our time to draw near to you, the good one. And the good one will draw near to us. We can literally just take that term, that title, that you're the good one, and every time we say the word God and remind ourselves of not just so much that you're God, but you're a good God. And we belong to you because you purchased us with the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. You demonstrated to us how good you are. You didn't just talk about it. You demonstrated it to us. And that's what we want to do. We want to demonstrate as a church, to the world that you're good, so that they also may know you. We want to be able to walk and face each and every one of life's trials, or one of life's uh, achievements, and always say that you're good, because you are, and you're worthy of our praise, and you're worthy of our lives, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.